The first thing that she told my godmother was, I don't care who her father is. She has to follow these rules. So we immediately knew that it was like a personal thing where she felt like offended that I didn't show up on time. And maybe I had a chip on my shoulder because of who my father was. And so it took me like a whole nother year to get that situated and getting the failing grade off of my record and stuff. And so from that point forward, I became like very, very focused on being like well with time management, honoring the times that I'm supposed to get there, like whether it's shady or not, like let me do my part. Welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. Each week, I have a sister-to-sister chat with an inspiring go-getter, and listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. Ebony Ishea Holyfield is the daughter of legendary boxing champion Evander Holyfield. She's a sought-after fashion and lifestyle influencer who enjoys spreading purpose-driven creativity through social media and blogging. With a knack for style and design, Ebony is known for her expertly curated content, including her classic fashion looks, daily inspirational coffee thoughts, and unique travel experiences. In addition, she furthers a lifestyle brand called The Guest List with her after-work inspiration, chic DIY home projects, and Cooking with Friends, a series dedicated to foodies who enjoy eating more than cooking. In her spare time, she runs Me Movement, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering students in the arts. Insanely obsessed with purpose and passion, Ebony believes everyone has an inner real deal holy field and is always in pursuit of helping others find the best version of themselves. Ebony, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I mean, it's always a pleasure chatting with you, but it's really cool to do it this way so other people can listen in. (laughs) Yes. And this is my first time doing one. So I'm really excited because I listen to a lot of different podcasts. So to now be on the other end is really exciting. Well, I like to start from the beginning. Let's talk about your upbringing. Um, You know, how, how many siblings you have, like where you grew up, all that good stuff. Well, believe it or not, I have 11 brothers and sisters, so I come from a very huge family, Um, and I was born and raised in Atlanta, Um, so I think that I've always had like a very colorful um, (laughs) upbringing with always something happening in our household, and it's a lot of things to do here in Atlanta, so this is definitely home base for me. Wow, so you were where on that? like within that linear scale of children? Do you really in the middle child, like youngest, oldest? I'm actually one of the eldest. I'm the third eldest of 11. Wow. Okay. And what role did you play amongst all of your siblings as the like third to the oldest? Hmm. I don't know. I think it's kind of tricky when you have that many siblings, like as far as like roles, because I'm I still have like two um, siblings that are older than me. So I still couldn't do like everything or run the household, but I was still in a position that my hands were needed as far as like helping, like getting my siblings dressed or getting us ready for school and things like that. So I had like a balance of both being the little sister as well as the big sister. So 
maybe little, a little bit. You had so many siblings. I mean, it was like a, you had like a mini sports team right in your house. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Would you say you were an active family? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, From like the the first time I could ever remember like uh, doing things like athletic, um, I had to be about like three or four years old. Like we would always be outside playing. Like that was the thing to do um, when you get home from school or daycare or what have you. Like it was never like just go watch television. Everybody go outside. You climb trees. You make up games, all kinds of stuff. And we had like our own mini boxing matches where my dad would pair us with whoever's closest to age with us, even if it's like a boy. <laughs> so I would always be fighting like my little brother and we had like trunks, like mine were black and gold. Like it was a serious thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I have always been very active. Your parents too had a, played a big role in that and being y'all being active. They made sure of it. Absolutely. More so my father because his background is in athletics. And so it's really like all he knows. So he just was like, okay, you guys are doing it too. And I started running track at the age of six. And so I ran from six years old up until 17. And that was school track and summer track. So my life was track and field for sure. I'm sure you had plenty of friends growing up. How did you fit in at school? Like, what was your your group? (laughs) Um, Most of my friends were athletes, and I think it's because, like, with our track program at my particular middle and um, high school, like, track was a big deal. We were like regional champs, and like the whole school backed us. So most of the times, you stuck together because we had. Sometimes track practices in the morning before school and after school. And then every Saturday was a track meet. So you ended up just creating these bonds with the people that you had practice with. So that was my crew. But I also had some friends that weren't athletes because um, my heart has always been in the arts. So I always had theater friends Mm -hmm. and for my classes that I took and stuff. So a mixture of the arts and athletes. Were you a pretty good student in um, elementary school through high school? I was. um, In elementary school, I feel like I was still trying to figure out my way and not be distracted by like other people and what they're doing. But when I moved to a different school in middle school, like that's when academics became like super important for me. And I began to thrive when my mindset changed like in middle school. Mm. Okay. Mindset changes. Yes. Our key. <laughs> Starts there. Really, like, myself, okay. my parents are like, girl, you better get it together. <laughs> All the way. All, and quick. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So when did you make the decision to attend Spelman? Uh, um, it was kind of a last minute thing when I was thinking about the different schools that I wanted to go to. And I'm very, very close to my family. Um, like my grandparents, I have like a very close relationship with them and my mom and my dad. So I knew that I wanted to be here in Atlanta. Um, Sometimes I felt like, what would the experience be like if I would have ventured out? But I knew that 
um, I wanted to say here. And my godmother was a professor at Spelman. So since I was little, she was mm-hmm. always saying like, you're going to go to Spelman, you're going to go to Spelman. So I was like, let me try. And I got accepted and I just decided I'd stay home and attend Spelman. Okay. Well, Spelman is not an athletic school. No. So what did your parents think about that? You being an athlete all your life and then going to a school that has no female athletics. Well, my mom was all for it. She's like, follow your heart. She's one of those type of people. But my dad was <clears throat> definitely like, what are you thinking? Like, you need to go to a different school. Like, go to Florida State. Like, listening to all these other schools and stuff. But I knew that I wanted to pursue theater and they had a theater program. They weren't known for it. But I think that I was willing to explore, like, getting the overall experience. And I went to, like, predominantly Caucasian schools all my life. So I knew that this was going to be a different experience at HBCU. So that was really my main motive, just to have a different cultural experience as well as tap into their theater program. When you arrived on Spelman's campus as a freshman, like what did you hope to achieve once you graduated from that institution? Oh, I just knew that. <clears throat> I knew that once I graduated, I would be like this famous actress. Life was just going to like go my way. Like had all these fairy tales and which is kind of understandable because you don't really know what to expect at that age, like 17, 18 years old, um, going to this big college or whatever. And, um, so I had a lot of hopes and dreams that still kind of came to pass a little bit, not on the famous side, but, um, Definitely, <clears throat> definitely some of the things have come together and some things I'm, I'm still having to be flexible with and learn different ways to get around it. And did dating or your social life like, play any role <laughs> in like distracting you during school or maybe having a positive impact on your uh, collegiate career? Believe it or not, I never dated while I was at Spelman and I think that I was like a really scary person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just, <laughs> I just, I was always like that quote unquote good girl, like in the group, like, Hey guys, I don't think we should do this. Um, I don't know like how we're going to get back. Like just stuff like that. And I wish I would have like let loose a little bit looking back at it, but I have like some really great friends and I ended up dating some guys from Morehouse after I, I graduated. Oh, wow. But while I was at school, um, I was really just concentrating on graduating and staying focused. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I was just, that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> you were beyond focused. I mean, you should get a medal yes. for being like so focused <laughs> as a college student. I'm proud. Okay. <laughs> well, time management is a struggle. And, um, you know, sometimes a social life can get in the way of that. But since you decided, hey, I'm not really focused on that. What are some ways that, you know, when you ever did get distracted, how you would be more efficient with your time in college? I think that planning was key for me and mapping out like what my day was going to be like and where I was going to spend my time and not um, put time towards things that wouldn't yield the results that I wanted. And I had like a rude awakening 
my freshman year, I had this teacher, uh, some shady stuff was going on, honestly. And so we were going to, she scheduled meetings with each of us to talk about what we felt like our grade should be, huh? which that's why I'm saying it was some shady stuff going on. And I'm like, she was going through something in life. Like, I don't understand, but she's no longer at Spelman. But the point is, is that I was studying for another exam and I totally forgot to go to my meeting with her. And it turned into like a war zone. When I went to meet her, she said that the meeting was no longer available to happen. And I would have a failing grade now because I did not come to like negotiate what my grade should be or discuss it. And so I just felt like if anything, you should determine my grade based upon the work that I've done. It shouldn't even be like a conversation that's being had about this. So I wanted to take it to higher up. So I ended up reaching out to my uh, godmother, who was a professor, she spoke to her and she told the first thing that she told my godmother was, I don't care who her father is. She has to follow these rules. Mm-hmm. So we immediately knew that it was like a personal thing where she felt like offended that I didn't show up on time. And maybe I had a chip on my shoulder because of who my father was. And so it took me like a whole nother year to get that situated and getting the failing grade off of my record and stuff. And so from that time, from that point forward, I became like very, very focused on being like well with time management, honoring the times that I'm supposed to get there, like whether it's shady or not, like let me do my part mm-hmm. and everything else will follow. So just mapping out what my responsibilities are and making sure that my time is being appropriately spent mm. was a really key for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, crazy enough to have to deal with so much um, at a young age, but then now you're almost faulted for being a part of a family <laughs> because yeah. you, know, has, has, you know, have you ever experienced any other time where that was an issue for you? Where like your name got in the way of something? Well, yeah, it does kind of get in the way of a lot of different things. Um, your business is never your own. Like if anything happens within my family, there's always a chance that it could be on the news. And so other people that have the option to share with the public, whatever's going on behind closed doors with their family and their friends, I don't necessarily get that option all of the time. And when it comes to work, um, just grinding and trying to make it a lot of people, people feel the need to like not help me or to like quote unquote put me in my place because they feel like I don't need the help or I have a silver spoon in my mouth and somebody else needs this opportunity Mm -hmm. over me so that can be very frustrating at times um but I guess it just comes with the territory sometimes yeah it does and um So you graduate from Spelman and you go off on this journey initially to become an actress. Um, And then maybe what was like the biggest risk you took towards that career? Um, I think the biggest risk that I took towards it was I was originally a psychology major at Spelman. And then I got this epiphany one day. I was actually... 
um, listening to a, a church sermon of TD Jakes and he was talking about like, you only have one life mm-hmm. to live and go mm-hmm. for it and all of this stuff. And so I called my mom. I'm like, Hey, like I'm changing my major. I'm going to be a theater major. Uh, TD Jakes told me to go for my life and my dreams that I want. So my mom was like, um, are you sure? Like maybe you can minor in psychology. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going all the way forward. Yep. Like no plan B's over here. So I switched my major and um, I think I could have still stayed within psychology. That probably would have been um, a smart route for me to take just because it's very difficult within the field of being an actress or anything as a creative. And sometimes you do need steady work while you're grinding in your creative lane. And so with a theater degree, um, it's kind of broad and... I feel like maybe I could have tapped into more to more like lanes and avenues if I would have stick stuck with psychology. But I think that I learned a valuable lesson to like follow my personal mm-hmm. instincts, whether they work out in the long run or mm-hmm. not, and to trust myself mm-hmm. and to really just commit to living my best life. Okay. Wise beyond your years. <laughs> Wise. No, I mean you're full steam ahead with this idea. And then what happens um, during your proudest moment? Like when was your proudest moment during this journey? Um, I almost want to say maybe my proudest moment hasn't happened. I can be a little bit hard on myself sometimes. My mom always tells me that like everything you have to count your blessings and recognize how far you've come. So I'm trying to do better with that. But I, I don't know if my proudest moment has come, but I am proud of some moments that I've had where I've decided to quit certain jobs because it's just not going in the direction that um, I'm planning to go in and being okay with being uncomfortable and not necessarily living in that whole notion of you got to do what you got to do. Because I feel like sometimes that will lead you to a life that you never intended to live. So I'm willing to take sacrifices and risks to get to where I would like to go. And my dad has provided an amazing example with going for your dreams and succeeding in those if you don't quit. So I'm very proud of myself for like not quitting on myself, even in the midst of figuring things out. Like I'm not at my like final destination yet, probably nowhere mm-hmm. close to it. And I don't even know like all of the steps that I need to take, but I do know that I'm willing to commit to figuring it out and not giving up on it along the way. You mentioned your dad a lot. So would you say that he is like your number one mentor? Um, Yes, I guess. I never looked at him as a mentor, but (laughs) um, I definitely feel like when God was choosing who my parents are going to be, um, my dad in particular, I feel like he is a, a, what's the word? He is like a, he's an opportunity for me to see what life can really be if you go for what it is that's in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a true blessing because a lot of times like we have to read about certain people in books or acquire uh, for people to be mentors and stuff. And so for 
him to be my dad and for me to have that opportunity to see what a vision realized looks like in every day. Like I'm super grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that I definitely look to him to see how to do certain things as far as like bring my dream to reality. And what's one thing that he's taught you that you just will never forget? Like one of the greatest lessons. Um, I would say, I don't know if this is for sure a lesson, but one day I was really down on myself and I was just frustrated and I didn't know what to do. And I was expressing that to him. Like I just don't know what to do and I don't feel like I'm equipped for where I'm trying to go. And so he said to me, which I will never forget, he said, Ebony, you are just like me. And as simple as that is, um, it put into perspective that I see him as someone who's established. I see him as someone that has achieved greatness. And it's easy to remove yourself from that when you don't have the same accolades or the same journey as that person. So for him to say, you're just like me. And he said, I came from the projects. I came from circumstances that you weren't even presented with. And if I was able to overcome those things. I want you to know that you have that same favor and that same magic, whatever it is that God given blessing over your life for you to be able to do it too. And so I feel like everybody has that, whether your parent is known publicly or not, like we're all blessed and we all have what it takes. And I think that it starts there as far as like self-belief and knowing that you are great. And if you know that, then there's nothing that could really ever stop you from realizing that in like the physical form, as long as you don't give up on yourself. So that would be it. Okay. Well, that lesson has taken you to where you currently are today. So let's talk about that and your exploration of this fashion lifestyle blogging world. How is that going? And maybe you could share some, some ways you're able to keep the content coming. Well, it's actually going really good. Um, I started my blog just as a creative outlet. As an actor, when I was really going very hard for it, it was very frustrating at times because you can be talented, you can do all the right things and do the homework that you're supposed to do as an actor. And what it comes down to sometimes is just simply that you're not the right height, you're not the particular black girl that we're looking for. Like we don't want someone with natural hair or we want someone who's lighter skinned or thicker than you or smaller than you. And that became challenging for me because those are things that I can't change about myself and some things that I'm not willing to change about myself, especially if I came with my A game and I'm talented and I'm doing my part, like my skin complexion, like what can I do about that? And nothing. So, um, my blog came as an outlet for me to be in control and to say, okay, this is what I want to put out to the world. And, um, I want to inspire people, encourage people. I want to show people that they can be fashionable on a budget. I want to show you that you can mix high end items with low end items and still be dope. And you don't have to follow any rules. So that's kind of the reason why I came up with my blog and, it is proven to be like a form of therapy for me to be able to share. And a lot of people have come to me to say like, 
Ebony, I really love what you're doing and I enjoy it. Please keep it up. So it gives me some purpose as well in my life. Well, for all of those newbies out there who want to launch a blog as well, can you share some tips on how to do so? Like, are there certain platforms that they should use? Um, my my uh, website was built by Wix. And so I did it myself and I'm not like a tech savvy girl, but I wanted to make sure that I was like ready for this commitment before I invest like hundreds of dollars or even like a thousand dollars into a website. So I gave myself a year and I said, I'm going to build this website and I'm going to give myself a year to see how consistent I can be. And if I'm consistent, then I will invest in this um, for the next year and get like a better website. So I would say for newbies, like start off small, like if nobody knows you anyway, there's no point of putting like $500 into a website, $1,000, and you're just trying to like build your audience first. Like it's totally fine. Find something simple that you can create, a friend can help you create or something like that. And then um, I would also say you have to utilize Instagram. Instagram is a great way to build your audience and to put more content on your IG page that will lead to your website. Um, I would also say be consistent. Like that is one of the major keys. Like I'm still learning that as far as, um, trying, like there's levels to it because when you first start your like consistency level, which may be great for a beginner, it's like once a week. But then if you can increase it to like maybe twice or three times a week after six months, you know, whatever you can consistently do really, really helps. And Photography, um, how important is that when you're a lifestyle blogger? It is huge. At first, I was just taking like <laughs> pictures on my cell phone, like friends we're meeting up, like while we're at lunch or something like that. And they may be a little blurry. They were on the whim and stuff like that. But it was not until I said, I'm going to invest in myself. If I believe in myself, I should invest. And uh, my friend, she's a great photographer. And so I asked her if we could work together and I hired her to do my blog photos and more people started commenting. People love the quality of my photos. And I began to be able to like tell stories with the photography that I was using and I think that not even that I think I know photography is key. Like if you're going to be a blogger, you have to invest in either a photographer or getting a really good camera so that you and your friends can take photos. And it should always be somewhat planned. I think creates the best content. Of course you can still take pictures and stuff if you're going out to lunch or dinner or things like that. But when you really start planning out your content and have a specific day for all photography to take place, it really changes the game. How have you been smart about money? Because when you're young, it's difficult. I've struggled. Yes. We've all struggled. <laughs> what are some ways that you just make sure you don't deplete like your bank account before the next paycheck oh, comes in? Gee. And especially as a creative, like you have to yes. manage your money because you don't know when your next check is going to come from if you don't have a nine to five and 
once again, like my parents didn't come from like a wealthy background and kind of had to like grind it out. And so I didn't grow up in a household where finances were like preached to me like that. Um, it, it was mostly athletics, honestly, and get a good education, but it was never mm-hmm. like, Hey, Ebony, here's a savings account and this is how you do it. And you need to put a certain amount in every week or what have you. So I've kind of had to learn things on my own and I'm definitely still learning. But I would say like a major key is to like budget. I used to be like, <laughs> okay, let me just invest my check into like, into my bank account, like deposit it in and I just swipe, swipe, swipe. And then I'm totally surprised when my account is in the red and I'm like, but where did this all go? And so (laughs) I had to start budgeting and saying, this is how much I'm going to put towards food this month or for these couple of weeks. This is how much I'll put towards shopping for clothes. This is how much I will invest in myself. This is how much I will save and making sure savings is a part of that, no matter how little you're able to do. So I think that that is key, never feeling like there's any amount that's too little to save and grocery shop instead of going out to eat all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, like most of my money goes towards food. I'm I like, know, oh. I know. Okay, let's switch gears yeah. into your routines and habits. What would a successful day look like for you? A successful day for me looks like Um, Waking up in the morning um, and the first hour of the day is mine. Like I own that first hour as in I don't get on social media. I don't answer emails. I don't jump on the phone to have like meetings or calls or anything like that. Chat with my friends, nothing like that. Take the first hour for myself. And for me, that hour is spent meditating, um, being in a place of gratitude and recognizing what I'm blessed with and focusing my attention on that, having my day mapped out as in like written down in my planner, knowing which direction I'm going in. And that has like really assisted me in setting the tone for my day and allowing me to run my day instead of my day running me. So that's how I start off my day and also incorporating exercise is a huge part in a perfect day for me. Just getting me moving and my my mind open and it just helps me to feel good. Exercise is actually like a form of therapy for me as well and to literally get me breathing. Like, I, I don't know, for me, it's just... Breathing is key to like literally like release. And so exercising, meditating, and actually being productive in my work. And I, I think sometimes like we get busyness confused with actually being productive. So if I could actually mm. get things done and being productive and that may be like only two or three things opposed to me trying to tackle 10 things that are really small that aren't really needed for the day. So being productive, exercise and meditating and drinking water. That's another thing. <laughs> drinking water. Then I'm, I'm successful that day. <laughs> well, are there any apps or websites that you use to manage it all? 
on a successful day? I actually don't. Like maybe because I'm an old soul, like I'm a pen to paper kind of girl. And mm-hmm. that really helps me to see it and like me writing it down and being able to scratch it off or highlight it, like makes me feel like I'm really making some moves there. So I don't have any apps. You might have to tell me some if that's what you use. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. I will. I will share that. Um, one of our private conversations. Okay. <laughs> or maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, no, I can talk about it here too. But um, I mean, I use, I mean, my calendar. I, I, I find that I need both my handwritten calendar and then I need like a digital reminder gotcha, yeah. um, as well. Cause, and then I have like a Google calendar and I also have my iCal. So it's like a lot of pinging and noises happening yeah. all the time on my computer, but I find they uh, help me schedule out my day and keep me accountable. They give me reminders constantly like, Hey, you should be, you know, doing this. You should be exercising right now. Right now you should be working on this and creating right now. You should be focused on connecting and promoting. So uh, my calendar definitely helps me manage my day. That's really good. I never thought about um, having reminders for just like to exercise or, Hey, are you doing some content creating at this hour? Like that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, since you like to write, you probably love to read, I would say. So what are some of your favorite books? Um, uh, the Magic of Thinking Big is a really good book that I like to read. Um, the Game of Life and How to Play It is exceptional. It literally changed my life. Um, and it's really just about um, focusing on the mental aspect of creating the life that you want and how we get in the way of our own greatness sometimes. And so that mm-hmm. really changed my mindset and therefore changed my life. Um, currently I'm reading Soar by T.D. Jakes and it's more of an entrepreneur, a book, and it's based upon the Wright brothers who created the plane and just getting to the right altitude, getting in the right location to take your dream to the next level and all that good stuff. So I'm definitely a reader, but it's not that it's naturally in me. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, if I could just curl up with a good book, I'll be like... Set, mm-hmm. But I read because I feel like it's necessary. And I think that it's the mm-hmm. best way to get the knowledge and wisdom from certain people that you would not be able to reach on an everyday basis. Right. Like I may not be able to get to Oprah right now, but mm-hmm. I can definitely read like her gems and get her wisdom through this book. And a lot of people overlook that. Sora is popular right now. Yes. Um, a lot of people have mentioned Sora on this podcast. So I'm definitely going to start that book very soon as well because everyone keeps talking about it's it. It's really good. Like, even if you're not religious, like, because I think some people get caught up in the fact that he's a pastor, but he's also like an incredible entrepreneur. Like, and mm-hmm. he's able to give like some really great advice on how to take your your dream to the next level. It's really good and it's very practical. What are your habits now? How often do you find the time to work out weekly? Um, every week it's a little bit different. I have to be kind of gentle with myself in that aspect because I feel like I should be working out every single day. And sometimes just like life does not allow that. And so I have to tell myself if I could get in two to three quality workouts during the week, like I have done good. So that mm-hmm. is my goal. So 
even if I'm just on the treadmill and recently I've transitioned to doing like hit workouts to build my endurance and I want to get my flexibility together as well. So trying to incorporate more stretching and things like that. Um, that would be my habit as of right now, just incorporating stretching and some hit workouts. What's in your gym bag though? So when you do go sweat it out, what are some things that have to be in there? Um, believe it or not, I don't have a gym bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you travel yes. light. So you just go in with your clothes on, yes. keys in hand, maybe your cell phone. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I normally have my cell phone with me, my headphones. Like I have to have good music while I'm working out. And I have a water bottle okay. and my keys are in my pocket. Like that's pretty much it. <laughs> So if I were to look through your phone um, and check out your workout playlist, what songs are on there? I have a lot of Beyonce, uh, Jay-Z. I really love his last album, 444. Recently, I have been digging the Black Panther album. Like, it just goes hard and Mm. pumps you up. And I always try to find music that, like, makes me feel like like I can conquer this day. I can conquer the world, like... Mm. I'm really out here doing it. So I always try to find like hardcore type of stuff. It doesn't like have to be super hardcore, but something that's definitely going to get me going that gives me the vibe that I'm a boss. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> yes. what you need to keep going, especially in those moments of weakness where you're like, ah, I just want to get off the treadmill. And then the right song comes on and you're like, wait a minute, I got energy yes. again. I'm good. I have all my energy back. Okay. So when you get out of your workout, what do you typically eat to refuel? I normally just have a smoothie. Um, I definitely have to have something like prepared beforehand, like whether that be a smoothie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really too into protein shakes I would love to be but I don't like I haven't figured out like a recipe that I could get past that specific taste yet but um Mm -hmm. I have to have something or else I make very very bad decisions because I'm like (laughs) hungry now it's like I turn hangry it's like so (laughs) weird and I'm like maybe I should go to Chick-fil-a I'm like Ebony you just burned all these calories and you're going to (laughs) Chick-fil-a to get you an eight-piece nugget like don't do it so I normally right. have like a green smoothie or go to Arden's Garden or something like that. And before the, the workout, what do you eat? Normally I exercise in the morning. So I have breakfast beforehand and I'm not trying to lose weight. So I definitely try to get some calories in so that when I burn calories, I'm not like losing and I'm more so maintaining. So mm-hmm. I'll do like a an egg and veggie scramble, something like that, or maybe some oatmeal and fruit and even maybe a smoothie, you know. Um, But I definitely have to eat beforehand. When you hear the words pretty girl sweat, what do they mean to you? It means that women, okay, pretty girl sweat means that no matter like how put together you are, you choose health. And I think that a lot of times, especially in the black community, it's like, 
oh, I don't want to sweat my hair out. Oh, I don't want to do this because, or I don't have time to redo my hair or what have you. But I think that you can be attractive and pretty and put together and value yourself and still value your body, like to do what's necessary. Like there's no way we can live the life of our dreams if we're not physically capable. So it just means like, to go for it as a woman, like in all aspects of life, to live your best life, your healthiest life. Absolutely. And what's next for you? Hmm, um, what's next for me? Um, I'm trying to go a little bit deeper into my entrepreneur uh, bag and create some products and things like that, that I could sell to the public that will benefit them. Some things that prove to work in my life. So I'm kind of in my brainstorming phase and trying to get some things together and working on some cool stuff with you as well. So I'm really excited about that and everybody finding out what we're up to. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I have no doubt that whatever you put your mind to, you are going to do Mm -hmm. it and do it with style. So I am excited for everything that's coming up and everyone listening should be excited too. Thank you. And that's Ebony. Follow her on Instagram at ebony.ishea.holyfield, on Twitter at ebonyholyfield, and visit her website, ebonyholyfield.com. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's pretty girls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.